0: Welcome back, everybody. You know, there is a way to conduct these interviews and something that I've been using in what I call the flow. As you start out a little easier, you kind of make the guest feel more comfortable and relaxed, and then you start getting into heavier and heavier topics. But with our uh, you know, guest uh, that's today, a uh, wonderful actor, uh, I really want to dive into kind of the meat right away. I'm feeling hungry. So um, let's, let's try it this way and see what, uh, what you think in terms of this approach. But I, I just really don't want anybody to miss this, because for me, as I was doing research on our next guest, who is an amazing award-winning actor, uh, Gabe Fazio, by the way, is it struck me as so important and so real as to what our industry is about. I need to kick off with that. So welcome to the program, Gabe. And I really, really, really look forward to talking to you.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's it's my pleasure. Listen, I feel like I, I feel like I know you a little bit because of uh of your friend, you know, Austin Basis, uh who was with you at Actors Studio, uh, you know, who was on the show uh just uh, recently. Austin. Yeah. Austin Yeah, I, you may have heard of him, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh uh God. I love Austin. I love you, Austin.
0: Yeah, he's Austin's great. I, I really
1: yeah, Austin,
0: Austin and I couldn't shut up and we, we talked for about three hours and we could have talked for another two hours after that. So uh,
1: yeah. it
0: was it was great.
1: Yeah, and uh, I kind of talk your
0: ear off. Uh I look forward to it. I have enough questions for us to uh, to have a little bit of a runway. So he no, no, you know,
1: he'll talk your ear off. Austin.
0: Austin. That that is true. I, I enjoyed it, but Austin. yes, I see that about
1: it. Yeah, I, I don't really talk I'm very much. I'm kind of monosyllabic. I'm very, like, you know, laconic, and uh, I'm just gonna get right to the point.
0: Well, let's let's do that. And I guess that's that's our cue to uh, to get to it. So here's what I wanted to really start off with, because uh, again, in doing my prep, you know, I I you know I talked to Austin. I wanted to find out a little bit about you. I do my research on your IMDb Pro. I kind of uh, look at the stuff that's written, the projects that you've been in, and I look uh, to find interviews that you've done. So one of the last interviews that you've done was with uh, Benell, who is, uh, it was a really good interview, by the way. So uh, good job, Benel, if you're watching this. Um, right. And one of the last questions that he asked you is is something that I really wanted to uh, to kind of piggyback off and and start my show with, which the question was, if you what what advice would you give to a young actor out there and your answer was don't do it uh, and then you expanded on the answer of saying well don't do it unless you're going to say yes to the following questions and those questions were you know are you prepared to be alone are you prepared to be single and not have any children are you prepared to be poor are you prepared to be hungry and performing on the streets are you prepared to be a bartender and you kept on kind of listing these questions and i said yeah that's it that's what the actors out there need to hear, because a lot of people out there are watching everybody on the big screen, and they're watching, you know, the life, the lifestyles of the rich and famous. You know, they're watching all of this stuff, and that's not what our business is about. You have a tiny, tiny percent of people who have that, and everybody else, all of the other working actors that I know, whether they're well known or people who are, uh, you know, struggling out there. Nobody has that lifestyle. And I love that you actually said it. And I wanna start with that and I wanna to talk to you about it because you asked yourself these questions and you said yes to all of them.
1: I really Is that did. the reality of our business? Ask myself those questions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah. Is that the reality of our business?
1: Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean if you don't come from a, um a um the fortune of uh, having a wealthy family and on top of that, a wealthy family that's going to help you and assist you, you know, you're, unless you're some kind of, you know, entrepreneur that can like whip up some kind of scheme to make quick money fast with a little bit of time and effort, then, you know, which is practically non-existent those, those kinds of people. Um, I'm not saying they don't exist. They probably do. And I I would believe they do, but not really. So, yeah, I, I think uh, it, especially when you have to live in New York City and you have to live in the cities where the opportunity is. I mean, now the opportunity is much, is much more vast. It covers more states like Atlanta now and, um, you know, Chicago and uh, other parts of the country. But the main base is really L.A. and New York City. And I haven't lived out in L.A. long enough to know, but I'm pretty sure it's on par with New York City. New York City is, and I mean all the boroughs, specifically um, New York, Manhattan and Brooks, some parts of Brooklyn and even some parts of Queens. You know, if you're not, you have to pay thousands of dollars per month for rent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to like find the skill becomes how do i survive while creating the time to put into developing the craft if you care about that you know for me I, when i was younger i was pretty but i wasn't as pretty as the pretty boys you know i didn't have the full brad pitt lips and the uh the light paul newman eyes i had everything else but i didn't have that and so I couldn't compete with the prettiness, so I was kind of. I I care about developing my craft anyway, but um, I wanted to. It it all became. It just became like my destiny to, like you know, not be sidetracked by actually getting work, but being able to follow my face behind closed doors. And I had the opportunity to do that in the fortune audition and get into the actor studio. So I spent. I mean the active studio not the MFA program although I did go to the MFA program but I'm really specifically talking about the Actor Studio in New York City where I got to work on things that I wanted to work on to stretch myself as an actor in front of legends like Arthur Penn and even not who I just mentioned um Estelle Parsons and um Alan Burstyn and Harvey Keitel and uh you know all these brilliant minds that are giving you their feedback on on like you know your work and sometimes it's crushing sometimes it's not you know but not only did it develop um it started to enrich my tone and be able to know myself my instrument a little bit better so that that was all the crap so in the fact that I wasn't working and I was waiting tables and bartending and And, you know, I was, I not only did I get the taste for the struggle, but because I had like, no, I went on food stamps once and I realized I didn't need to. So I got off it, but it was an experience Um, not having mental health insurance for years, years. And I was not the safest guy in many ways. So the fact that like, you know, I wasn't badly hurt other than dislocating my collarbone. But um, I've I had the fortune of also not, like, hurting myself. But I didn't have all those things. So all I had was, like, you know, quite bluntly, I, I just had the passion to do it. And so because I wasn't working, I was developing the layers of my skin and also keeping my inside soft and malleable to you know have access to depending on the roles and and then building confidence by demystifying working for people who are like giants in our business they're titans they're they're like you know gods in a sense you demystify that and you see that they're people but their insight and their wisdom is you know unprecedented and and endlessly deep so it's um so by the time, um, you know, I wasn't, I'm not as pretty as I used to be, but neither of those guys. Right. I and mean, the one difference is, is that, like, I, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, you know, put myself on a pedestal or anything like that. But the work paid off where I feel like now I'm starting to, I have the confidence and the level of relaxation and, and the uh, the craft to uh, mix it up with these really well known and talented and gifted people who have you know great technique and I'm learning from them and but I'm able to hang with them so uh there is, there is a uh, a reward for the risk which is risking being poor for the rest of your life and not having any bank account or health insurance but the reward is you know, it, in itself, the reward is the, is the fact that you're working and that's their lies to glory. You know, it's like, wow, well, I have a job, you know. Yeah. I don't have anything to complain about. How
0: long did it take you to get to a point where you felt like you could mix it up with these guys?
1: Like this year. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I haven't worked in a year, almost. You that's know, true. I know this much is true. I worked on for like, nine months, and yeah. straight, you know, and I, then I had no job, which was fine, I needed a break, but then COVID-19 happens, and, you know, you're, what are you going to do with all this, you know, creative energy, you know, I hook up the guitar, you know, and uh, trying to find other, like, living life, so it's kind of a gift in an in a, in a odd way, it's to have to live life, and experience life so the next time i work again i'll have that much more to offer so retrospect is is like also a part of it um the sacrifice and like you know to to answer your question like i feel like when you're in the work you know sometimes you catch yourself in the moment like wow it's amazing i'm like i'm where it's at right now like i'm loving where i'm at like i'm actually working and enjoying what i'm doing i feel like i know what i'm doing and I'm where I want to be, you know, but you're you're more focused on on the work at hand. But afterwards, having retrospect, I'm like, I'm not worrying about money in the moment. I mean, I look at the the big picture, of course, I need to continue the work, but right now, like for the first time in my life, I didn't do for the money. Obviously, if I wanted to make money, I wouldn't be an actor, you know but making money acting having struggled for all those years there's there's the glory you know right there is is like a sense of accomplishment
0: yeah and that's you you've mentioned the uh you know uh, a show with Mark Ruffalo in which you were very deeply involved uh called <clears throat> I know this much is true for which Mark got an uh, Emmy nomination and that's again when when I was looking at you and when I was uh, doing my prep, that I think was you know if I needed to understand what kind of person that you are, that was it because you did a project knowing full well that you're not going to be seen. You know you're in this amazing production with Mark Ruffalo, who's an amazing actor, and you're not going to be seen, and you did it anyway. You did it because you love the craft, and it's about the work. It's not about the fame it's about the craft. So that told me everything I needed to know.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I know many actors who would have loved to do what I what I did, you know. It's not like people wouldn't do it. It just, so you know, I mean, you know that as an actor, of course you're gonna like get the chance to work with like, you know, Mark Ruffalo and my friend Derek C. in France again and like, to work on this story, yeah, I'm a theater actor, you know, and if there was ever a merging of theater and, and, um, film, which it was literally 35 yeah. minutes you, and it, there, there it is because, and I mentioned film only because the aspect that helped, like, you know, that lends itself to being a theater actor is when you're shooting on the film, there's a sense of urgency that, you know, it's palpable, like you, everyone knows that you got to come with your A game from the first take, even though you not, you didn't rehearse it, so you're shooting your rehearsal, which is your performance, which is like, you know, um, that's very theatrical, you know, it's to uh, to have the urgency to not make a mistake is, well, allow a mistake to happen and not break character, that's theater, you know, because um, it's film. It's not like HD You're shooting a student film. You can shoot it 50,000 times. And not that Derek didn't take his time with having many takes because anybody who worked with him would tell you that, like, you know, he allows himself to, to work until he gets it. So, but the urgency is still there. And the other aspect is, is you know, when you do a theater show in, in a black box theater and you have 45, 50 people in attendance, those are the ones that witnessed it. You know, when I was on set, my it was a black box theater experience. I'm working with the actors, no different from working with actors on a, in, in, a, in a regular way. And then you had the the cast and, and the rest of the cast, the crew, the producers all watching and they're the audience and they witnessed it. So it's the same thing. You know, it, it, I mean, I really honestly. Can tell you it, it didn't. I mean, I, I understand that people are like, man, you did it even though you knew you weren't going to be seen. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, so what? <laughs> I know it's strange, but like, I really didn't feel that way. I really felt that way. I didn't really care one way or another. I had a role where you saw me, and that's fine. But it was more about the, uh, the experience. And that was an experience unlike any other experience I've had on definitely on film. And, you know, far and few between and on stage as well. So it was, it was worth it.
0: Yeah. Um, again, I, I kind of, yeah, everything is reversed. They love of acting, right? And that's, that's the reason. That's the reason why I started the show. That's the reason why, you know, at times my marketing brain turns on and I start worried about views and I start worrying about marketing and other things. And then I let it go because that's not why I'm doing this. I don't yeah. care. If it's 10,000 people that watch this or three, because the point is <clears throat> for those who watch to get inspired and to gain something from this experience and to become better actors and better people because of watching it. That's yeah. why it is. It's nothing about everything else. So no. I completely, completely get it. And that's good for you again it's uh i i heard things about you and then i saw that and i said "Yep, yeah, i get it
1: oh, but you know what i mean like you know it's you're an actor so you understand right you ever feel like especially during these times you feel like you're not giving you're not giving to the community like there's a revolution happening at the moment you know like our modern version of a revolution however yeah You want to call it, it's what it is, but you know, um, sometimes I feel like, What am I doing? It's like I'm such a waste, and then I forget, I'm like, Oh, I'm an actor, and I feel like you don't. I feel, I mean, there are actors who are activists, and those, and that's like a that's like you know, yeah, combination, but you know, if you're just gonna act and you and you have something to say, you know, you you are participating in. In culture, and culture mm-hmm. is, in my opinion, a huge um, influencer of society. Obviously, culture is—you know—society is you know, society's like built into the fibers of culture. But like our culture is so, um, United States culture is so. There's so is so many of, so many little pockets of cultures. You know, like New York City's culture is so different from Georgia's. You mm-hmm. know, it's so different but our our little little nest here in in new york city where we create movies and tv shows they reach everyone and it and if you're doing a show of quality like i know this much is true you know it it's gonna come out of people's tv sets and they're gonna it could like you just said it's gonna it's gonna you know have give people insight in their own lives and it could actually help change the way they see things, you know, it, it could spark something. It could trigger something. It could, you know, I mean, yeah. Anyway. so I just it, wanted
0: to... it absolutely does. Uh, again, <clears throat> I, I have, I have kids and do, knowing, huh? knowing uh, that when I was growing up, I was watching TV and I can tell my kids not to watch TV because I myself have learned so much from observing other people that i can't remove that experience from them and acting to me is just a continuation of that it's the finding yourself and learning about yourself through being the other character through living for that instance or for those you know few days and those scenes through somebody else's eyes it's an actor is a reflection of society unto itself so absolutely you know just because you're not working doesn't mean that uh it's not valuable or you know what you were doing is not going to be valuable as soon as you start shooting it's 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 a gift it's a part of the fabric of society and without actors without art without our ability to express ourselves or to see others express us we we would be uh, a much poorer society for it
1: yeah like spiritually poor you know, like a, a, a spiritual poverty that is, you know, beating in in you know through the veins of our country, you know, and, and the world too. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I I'm, I'm not I don't think you know acting can it's in itself heal, but it's it can definitely influence and give you a different perspective. You know, like oh, I never thought of it that way, mm-hmm. and like that like affects you. And you're like, I, Sam Shepard said it, you know, the, the play should start when the curtains come down. So it's sort of like, you know, he said something like that. I'm sure I'm paraphrasing, but you know, it, you should be thinking about it after it's over. You know, that's when you saw something that's, that affected you. And it does, you know, it's in your, even if you don't think about it if anymore, it still is in you and it's, and it can actually influence decisions you make based on what, moved you or what you know what disturbed you or what um haunts like you know haunts you it, it you know it can
0: for sure and it, it should absolutely does uh you know you're a theater actor as well so this will uh, resonate but you know when i saw pippin the first time mm-hmm. i that hits so deep uh, to me because <laughs> i from you know from as as long as I could remember uh, when I was a kid, for whatever reason, people uh, had great expectations of me and they thought that I would do something great. And mm-hmm. it became a driving force for me. Oh, I'm here to do something great. And when you're not doing something great, or at least in your own eyes, and when you're not achieving whatever that uh, you know goal you're setting out to, to have, it becomes a very frustrating factor and searching for that greatness and the inability to achieve it is a very difficult thing so when i saw pippin you know that place started once the curtains came down it was days of me mulling over it and thinking is this what i want my life to be like is that what i'm about should i continue this uh, this constant uh you know pursuit of whatever the greatness is or should i just try to find myself and be myself and enjoy life so absolutely It was a healing experience. It was a very spiritual experience. And it was a existential experience for me just watching that show.
1: How old were you when you saw it?
0: Uh, Not, I was, again, I'm 45 right now. I probably saw Pippin with my kids. I live in Chicago. So we saw it, uh, we saw it in downtown uh, probably three or four years ago. So it was not that long ago.
1: Wow. So that's great. You know, that's, I love hearing those stories, you know yeah i I like learn something from watching the stupid movie too you know it's like oh god it's that was so much fun that movie I mean, I didn't get anything out of it, but you know what it did? It cheered me up. Yeah. I' you know, like you need those movies and like people get down on like you know like you know um uh snobby people who um look down upon fun films you know it's I understand why they do. But and I do too sometimes. Like, oh, why do they do that? All this money gets thrown into a, a big budget movie, and it's just the the holes in it, the logical holes that you know thwart my OCD. Yep. To you know, like I can't enjoy it anymore. But that actually I've embraced, and so now when I see the holes, I like enjoy it because I want to see if they do the opposite, and or if they if there's another hole. But I'm enjoying it, and what it does is, ultimately, for me, I was able to learn how to enjoy those movies, because um, those summer blockbuster movies, if you want to call them, or the uh, holiday movies or whatever, that aren't that great, and they're a bit cheesy, I've learned to really appreciate them, and actually enjoy them, and you escape life, you know? Right. Sometimes, too. It's good stuff. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Uh, my my friends keep asking me, and they stopped asking me uh, after after a number of years. They stopped asking me, you know, did you like this movie? Did you like this movie? Did you like this movie? Because the answer is yes, I did. Because in every movie, I find something that I like. I find what I enjoy, and I'm not worried about the rest. So there are only a couple of movies that I hated. Everything else I love.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's not everybody can do that. You know, I, I've come a long way to do that. I mean, that, that's a, I think that's a really... I mean, if you love cinema like I do, don't you want to love it all and in different ways, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's. I think that's good.
0: Um, I was watching with, uh, you know, we, we introduced my kids. Uh, my daughter is going to be 16 uh, in a few days. My yeah. son is about to turn 11 shortly. So oh. my wife and I introduced them to, uh, again, using this time when we're all together, we introduced them to uh, a bunch of films, including Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And I'm watching that movie, which I adore. And I, you know, Martin. I've seen it at least 15 times. Uh right? Huh? The
1: one with Steve Martin? Yes, uh, Steve Martin,
0: yeah, Steve Martin uh, Michael <laughs> Kane, you know. And we're watching it. And there is a part on, in a movie that for the first time, and again, this is probably the first time that I'm watching it since I, I became really serious about acting and I'm pursuing my acting career. And then I see a a a line where i see a point in the movie that is a kind of a plot hole and does not ring true because you know that character wouldn't do this in a particular moment i'm like i stopped myself i thought wait a second he would never do okay never mind i'm going to back to enjoy the movie so i I'm, I'm starting to kind of click and notice those moments
1: yeah you know i i i i i i definitely understand that like, but don't but isn't that an enjoyable moment it is that look we were, i was able to pick out a mistake that a huge big budget movie made that they didn't see you know you feel special because you think you're the only one that sees it you're like no way you wouldn't do that and then you tell your friend did you like that movie i liked it too but what about that one part where steve martin or you know uh michael kane did this or that and they're like I did you even notice that i'm like yeah it doesn't make any sense but maybe they will argue with you, and they're like, "No, oh, totally makes sense." And you're like, "Why?" And then, then you're in this deep discussion about yeah. character, and it's kind of cool. It's like you know, you're talking shop suddenly about a, about a about a dumb mistake in a in a movie that's supposed to be fun, you know?
0: Yeah, and uh, again, you know, uh, Wire would be another example. I would watch the Wire. I'm not going to say who the actor is, uh, but I'm watching the Wire, and you have this scene with just really, really talented actors. And one of the actors stands out because they're not as good. And I'm clocking all of this and it becomes distracting to me because I'm thinking there there's two lines of thought that are at that moment, actually three, right? One is I'm trying to enjoy the story. The second is thinking, okay, this actor is not as good as the other ones. And third is putting myself in that situation and thinking, oh my God, is that what I'm going to be like if I'm around actors who are much better than I think I am? Is that how much I'm going to stand out? And you have that thinking, all of it going on in my brain where I, I had to pause and I had to work everything through before I started watching it again because I couldn't you know, focus on the actual storyline anymore.
1: You had an anxiety attack?
0: Uh, in, in a way, because it's that realization of saying, holy shit, this is an HBO series. This is a person who is on there for you know many episodes. It's one of the regulars. You know, that person went through a rigorous process, you know, got uh, uh, got in a big production, even though, you know, that that show wasn't popular until, uh, you know, season three or four. But, you know, they got through that person is a, you know, is an actor who is working in the industry, who has, you know, I have five IMDB credits. They have a lot more and I don't think they're good enough. Does that mean that I don't know what I'm talking about? Does that mean that maybe they're not good enough? Does it, what what does it mean? So it kind of blew my mind. So I don't know if it was anxiety. It was more of a realization of what is happening in the business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I, those are like the the little, little devil on your shoulder telling you what you can't do all the time. It's like, yeah, that's going to be you. It's like, shut up. (laughs) No, it's not. Is it? (laughs) And then, but you know what? That can make you work harder. That fear, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that. The, the fear of um, not doing a good job drives you to work much harder. It's so even like, but even harder than what you really need. Sometimes, try you can drive yourself crazy. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um,
0: let's let's go back to uh, to again the uh, you know I know this much is true. Um based on, again, my research uh, and uh, what I've, uh, what I heard is that you stayed, uh, once you get on set, you were pretty much in character. Uh, you weren't kind of snapping in and out of it uh, because, again, from what I understand, you found it to be easier uh, to kind of stay in character. Mm-hmm. Is that what you find with a lot of your projects that you kind of get to a character, you stay in it, and then, you know, you come home, you take it off. Otherwise, you're in. It
1: depends. Mm-hmm. Depends. I mean, you know, Thomas was in his own world. He had a different. He had. There's this different um, zone of concentration that you know you're using. While well, I was using my the tangible world as I see it, but I was looking for things that I was trying to. I'll look at. I would. The way I worked on it is that I'll be sitting around and I'll look at a pencil and I would try to and I would look into the pencil and like where does the pencil come from that pencil comes from and I would go on this whole rabbit hole about a pencil until I was able to find a level of um, a a logical reason to be paranoid hmm. about pencil. So that's the way I was looking at things and, and that's just an example. So. Hmm. I was doing so much that by the time I got to set, I just felt it was easier to just stay that way. And in, an, in an, here's the thing, in a non-intrusive way, you know, I'm not going to like walk up to people and start talking to them like this weirdo dude, you know. I was more of it, I was the introverted about it. So it wouldn't be so intrusive on anybody else's process you know i'm not going to demand something that i need this i need that i just will take i say yes to everything mm-hmm. just because it's easier it's so much easier to say yes to things you know it's hard to say when you say no it becomes about you it, you step out of it and it's more what me the actor wants and needs you to change mm-hmm. for me to do my work and i want to do the opposite i want to take whatever it is you're giving me and make it into gold, like an alchemist, to turn everything into gold. And that's what, that's what, um, and Thomas' character just had that demand where I wouldn't, it was just easier. I mean, one day, Melissa Leo was the same way. Like, Melissa Leo, I know from the actor studio, when we worked together on the first day, we had, we, not only were we talking to each other in character and our relationship, the mother and son, but we went, to lunch in a cat in, in the van talking camera just still right up until the line we were getting food and then i found the way to i i wanted to make an exit and go be by myself so as thomas i made an exit and you know it's he's he for me he wasn't so out there where you couldn't communicate it comes in waves like this just. You should have noticed it right away. It's something that is, for me, the way, like you know, the way I was working on it was, it was, it was a subtlety. And then he has, he has like his binge moments where he'll go on a tangent, and then you're like, ah, but what's this guy's fucking whack? So mm. it was, the, it was easier for me to stay in it in that way, where if somebody would say something to me, I would talk to them, and it seems normal, but there's something off. So it wasn't an intrusive thing. So I don't want people to think, oh, you know, lots of people get, uh, bad re- get bad reputations for being on set and they make all these demands. You have to call them this and that. Like, I'm not being no. able to, you know, I respect that. I'm just not, that's just not what I do. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to show the difference that like it's, uh, you know, just because I'm in character while I'm on set, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, yeah. I'm gonna like you know make you do this or make you do that. That's all.
0: No, that that uh, sure. makes. Sense. Yeah. Um. How easy did you find again once you're offset? How easy did you find that it is to let go of the character, or did you stay kind of uh,
1: connected, you know, throughout the shoot? Well, you know, because I I for that particular character,
0: mm-hmm. for yeah.
1: show, oh, Well, I had to lose weight. So, I didn't even ha- I didn't have time to mourn the character. It's like I had to literally jump in. So I made it the same person because oh. I am the same person. I'm just losing weight, and now I have now I am in a different mindset. Now I'm the older brother, and I my main focus is taking care of that guy. Mm-hmm. So it was just a shift in who I was, and some things were not applicable that were for Thomas and there were things that um were not applicable for Thomas that is now completely, you know, actable for Dominic. And you know, so I I didn't really uh have a problem saying goodbye, although there was some things that with Thomas that stuck around. And then Dominic, but Dominic I was fucking angry all the time too. Like you know mark talked about that um my anger came after like i shot it was still there i was still like pissy and annoyed at things and like impatient for me my impatient the let my level of impatience was just through the charts like i i couldn't even if i dropped uh i would get mad at objects i would get so angry at objects if something didn't work right if if i was tired and I'm pouring my coffee and I missed the glass. I would fling the glass across the room or the cup and I'd be like, fuck! And it was something so small and so stupid. But I, I, I still have a little bit of that even today. But it really uh, amplified during when I was playing that character. But for Thomas, it was for me like I was afraid of hearing voices, like, you know, because I have tinnitus and and I really focused on. Because I'm I'm hearing impaired. So I am deaf in my left ear. And my right ear, we are hearing it. Um, but when I take it out at night, anybody that has tinnitus, some people call it tinnitus, but I call it tinnitus. And the tinnitus, the tinnitus would be so loud during when it's very quiet. And I would, as I was working on Thomas, I'm like, I hear these ringing in my ear as if it's really ringing in my ear. Mm-hmm. You know, like it feels like... Then I said, I imagined what would it be like if my ringing just became a voice, this unhinged voice, and the voice was evil. Mm-hmm. And and I would think about it so much that it would, it started to scare the shit out of me. And a funny incident happened when I was walking my dog um, before shooting, and. um and I heard this sound that mimicked a very low, staccato, angry, grow- growling voice in my ear. And I thought it said, Die. And I was like, I was like, what the? F-? And it scared the living shit out of me. I really thought in that moment, I. I've broken a threshold, and like, I, I'm, I'm hearing voices now, and for like about two seconds, yeah. I had this blood l- literally drained out of my head, I started to shake, my mouth started getting dry, and I saw this motorcycle drive by, and it made that sound, so I was able to I was able to associate the sound with what it was. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that was the gift. And in that moment, I thought, holy Jesus. For the first time, Thomas or anyone in a schizophrenia, anybody that's afflicted with that disease, in that moment, when they first hear the voice, that's what they went through. I might get goosebumps thinking about it now. And that never left. So that fear of potentially hearing something for instance, something that's happening to you that's out of your control, like if your body just started doing things without you controlling it, kind of feeling that anxiety this paranoia, these symptoms that Thomas had, that I can that are actable, and you can find things that can trigger it in any moment. You can shock yourself with a trigger and just take it for a ride and see what happens. Yeah. And um, and that's what and that's what was filming was like. It, but yeah, to answer your, lo- I told you I was direct and just to the point. I lied, so this is a you know, a long story of answering your question.
0: It's it's really important, and and this is the shit that scares me as an actor uh, because me as a person, um, and you know, people can think I have schizophrenia if they want, but I think of it as is more of a spiritual connection. And anybody who's watched the show knows that I talk about spirituality, I talk about mediumship, intuition, uh, you know, all, all of the kind of uh, psychic phenomena, if you will. Because when I was a kid, I heard voices and it freaked me out. It freaked me out, you know, uh, seeing uh, Sixth Sense uh, reminded me of some of that stuff. It wasn't anything to that extent, but I heard voices. And, uh, you know, kids are a lot more connected, they're a lot more open. Whether you believe in the stuff or not is, is up to you. But, um, I heard voices, and I I know that I'm being as a, as a person I'm very uh, uh, empathic. So I would feel one way, and I know that you know I'm a happy happy go lucky kind of uh, kind of a guy. Uh, I walk into a Walmart, and uh, within a half an hour of just walking around Walmart, I get agitated, I get drained, I get upset because I'm a sponge. I pick up kind of all of the stuff, all of the Emotions and the energies that are around me. And unless I protect myself before going into a public space, I pick all of this stuff up. And it took me a while to realize what was happening and how to clear it uh, properly and how to kind of let all that stuff go. So there is a part that I think there is still kind of this instinctive protective mechanism that I don't want to dive into that type of a scenario because I know that I heard voices before. I know that I have done mediumship and I've you know, uh, given information that comes from the beyond. I don't know if I want to get in there because I know that I can allow it. I'm not sure I'll be able to get rid of it or get out of it or step back into this is my norm. So for me, when people go full method, and I know you know you talked about I uh, would love to work with Daniel Day-Lewis and others like him who's just amazing. but yeah. I don't know if I ever will allow myself to go full method because I don't know if I'll be able to fully let it go or take out or deal with whatever energies, you know, find uh, their way into my existence if I'm in that. So that freaks me out. And when you started talking about voices, that's where I went.
1: No, I I totally. I mean, that's that's got to be the scariest fucking thing. Uh, I'm so sorry you had to deal with that as a kid. You know, that's, that's something that probably will stay with you for, for your rest of your life. And if you can tap into that, you know, and not yeah. let it like overcome you and just, but you can, it can serve you in a certain role. And then that's like gold. If you know how to like, you know, use it, you know, it's like, it's like having a wild Mustang that could help you win wars. You know, if you can ride it like a Comanche, then you're a you know, that's the way I look at it. We got to be like the Comanche Indians. They rode the horses the best. That's why they range for so long. So if we could look at our fears as like, you know, these he's like super fast Mustangs, we just got to know how to ride them, you know? So, but no, I, I totally get it. You know, um, I found a, uh, a recording on YouTube that was just a schizophrenic per a person who has schizophrenia was wanted people to know what he hears so he recorded what he heard wow. and i could not bring myself to listen to it i didn't i did not even try to listen to it because i've already had that experience i i like you i'm like I don't want to hear that, because if I hear that, I will never unhear it. So I let my friends listen they wanted to hear it because I told them I found it, and I let two of my friends listen to it, and I'm like, "You sure?" And I gave it to them because the comments were of people who had, who were afflicted with the uh, with the disease, and they were like, "This is exactly. thank you. now people understand. And when I read those comments, I'm like i'm not I'm not listening to this no way. I didn't need to. I didn't need to listen to it. So sometimes you don't need it. You know, sometimes you don't need to like go full method. You know, you, you don't, you don't need to sometimes. It's only there if you, if you feel like it's, it will serve you in in a positive way and not like turn you into a, you know, complete psychopath. Like if I'm playing a serial killer, I'm going to research, you know, the victims. I'm going to research, you know, the serial killers and try to understand them and relate to them, but if I have to kill somebody, you know, I'm gonna like, you know, I would imagine, like I I have killed someone before, it was just sort of like a, I was just sort of like leaving myself, and yeah. it showed to be apathetic rather than it being um, uh, filled with rage, you know? Maybe it is filled with rage. I mean, there's different kinds of killing, you know, like serial killers. Maybe they're like more. I mean, it's however you would play a serial killer, is it's going to be your serial killer. It's not going to be yeah. a real serial killer. You're playing someone and you find those things that, you know, that are real to you and you do it. You don't have to go out and fucking kill someone <laughs> or kill bugs. I, I've heard people that like kill bugs and. I, I can't even kill a spider. I can't have a hard time. I, I felt guilty killing a roach. Uh, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I understand. Um, well, ask my girlfriend; she'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I, hell, I, I, I killed. She had me assassinate a cockroach once, and yeah. a water bug rather. And yeah. uh, I felt I was. I felt really bad. Like, why did I kill it? Because it makes me feel uneasy. It's such a stupid reason to kill something. It, I'm sorry, it is. It's, I, maybe I'm a pacifist. You know? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty if you kill water bugs like a fucking cat, water bug. I mean, right. I don't. But like, How about I, mosquitoes? I can't do it anymore. How about mosquitoes? Do you have that same thing with mosquitoes? No, because mosquitoes are vampires. It's different. It's sort of like pedophile. Maybe I, now, if I say this, I don't know what's going to happen to society. 20 years from now, they might look back at this as some sort of, uh, bigotry, but, you know, I, because, you know, I believe that protecting children is our main job as adults is prepare a good life for our children so they can grow up and be good, kind people. And, and the more kind people you have, you know, the better the world will be, right? Yeah. So, If that's the case, I mean, a large part of what destroys the society is the exploitation of children and the abuse of children. So if you have a man who's afflicted with, you know, keep using that word afflicted, if a man who is, yeah, I would say that's that's the right word, someone who is, who has um, pedophilia and they act out on it to me that's like uh there's a there's a certain indifference to me i, I no longer look at that person as a human being in, in a sense i i see that they're human but the fact that they allow themselves to spoil and and name and destroy these children to me is like the worst the most atrocious act you can possibly do so it doesn't matter what the reason was right. the fact that you did it and you did it consciously. You know, I look at that person and as Gabe and I look at them and I say, you know, that's like a mosquito to me. That's like a vampire, you know. Like a vampire can't help being a vampire. He's gonna suck blood, he needs it. But but, but you know, you saw true blood, right? Mm-hmm. They came up with a solution. They bottled blood yep. and um and they were able to drink it. And so they were able to like work with society. If you can come up with something that Can help pedophiles like that. I think that would be a great thing, but I don't think that exists right now. So it's sort of like, to me, like a mosquito is something that only, you know, causes havoc and, you know, keeps fucking swatting, sucking my blood, you know? It's like, yeah, I'm being attacked. Yeah.
0: It's, it's true. I get it. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who I like going to Florida because, uh, you know, of the theme parks and I want to take my kids there. But I'm the guy who would never live in Florida because Florida has sharks, it has crocodiles, it has snakes, it has spiders, it has all of the things that I am afraid of. And I would never put myself in a situation where I am doing that. Like right. me, I'm a fear factor, that's never going to work. So I am not fear that. Rogan? Uh Yeah, where it's just Joe Rogan, yeah, was Joe eating? Rogan the, the host of a uh, Fear Factor? Yeah, I you think. Uh, but like, you know, it's not it's not just eating bugs, but you know, being around snakes. I'm I'm like the uh, Indiana Jones.
1: Snakes? Why does it have to be snakes? Oh, snakes you know, are weird creatures, man. It's like how do they move? It's like this thing, this muscle. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like it's like a big tongue. Yeah, I heard the snakes freak me out. There is spiders. Right. Like, all of that
0: stuff is fascinating, but I don't want to be next to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we can live with those things, you know? Like, snakes aren't looking to bite and eat children, you know?
0: I, I get it. But, you know, when I went to Sedona, it didn't stop me from, you know, people were enjoying and looking at the pretty sights of Sedona. I was looking under... You know, under every rock where I'm stepping to make sure that I don't step on something.
1: Totally. Me too. Exactly. Exactly. I'm the same I saw a rattlesnake yeah. in um in the Oasis in Joshua Tree. Okay. You hear it. It's it puts it it's interesting how nature can make that sound raise the hair on the back of your neck. Oh yeah. Because when I heard that I was like, ah, it's near us, and I saw it. It was like in this ravine. There was this like little stream that was above, that was just like three feet below us. And yeah. they're just passing by, man. This big-ass long yeah. rat. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was very freaky, man. So I'm agreeing, I'm gonna agree. You yep, have see a scorpion.
0: Again, thankfully not
1: in person. Oh, God, I was in Italy, and I was sitting on a toilet bowl. And I look <laughs> black, like spot, like this object. And I look at it, and it's just this scorpion. It's, like, this big.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's black, and it's got the hard shell, you know? It's kind of, like, got a little glossy matte, like, hardness shell to it, you know? Like, it's hard. You know it's hard. And it's got that tail with a little, like, little, little, Scissors, little yeah, that, like, lead to the end with the little stabber or whatever that thing's called stinger and (laughs) it wasn't moving i was just looking at it not moving myself and my hair on my arms all like sticking up like i'm thinking about it now and it's doing it and i'm just looking at it and it moved it didn't move this way or that way it just went it kind of like rotated in its position facing me and i'm like ah and i got up and i walked away didn't move and i told the person who i was staying with at the time i just saw a scorpion they said yeah that person lived there the scorpions come around don't worry the big ones aren't poisonous i'm like good to know and we looked in there it was gone the scorpion was no longer there
0: and, and you were able to go to sleep and uh, and uh, and yeah. have a good night's sleep after that
1: oh uh, you have to go to sleep you know it's like <laughs> you check under the bed you look in the cracks of the hallway you research what scorpions do how to avoid scorpions like the type of scorpion it was and and they weren't poisonous um so it was it's just sort of like that like like what you get that arachnophobia kind of feeling it's sort of like this fear of something that we don't know why we're afraid of it it's just and that's why we kill it right precisely yeah yeah
0: because we're afraid for ourselves.
1: Yeah, isn't that isn't it that bad? It is. The scorpion wasn't going to sting me at all, and I would I would totally have killed it if I wasn't so freaking far away from it. If I was near it, I would have stomped it.
0: Yeah.
1: Moment, I I would have just because yeah, you know,
0: same exactly the same, same feeling.
1: Hits you like right in the head. You're like, ah. It's like, <laughs> like, you don't know, it spits at you, like, <sighs>
0: yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, uh, getting back getting back to acting and away from our fears for a second, but, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that you, um, you know, it's only this year where you felt like you were really up to uh, to playing and, uh, and being at the level where you can, uh, you know, be with those guys. But you and Bradley Cooper um, have spent a lot of time together. You went through, uh, you know, school together. You've yeah. done plays together. So you worked with uh, with somebody who's, you know, at that level. At least, you know, he's now. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big uh, I'm a big Alien fan. Uh, I'm not sure that he was at that level then. I thought he was very good. So I mean, is it because you kind of grew up in a way uh from the actor's perspective with Bradley it was easier and you just
1: you know you know he's he's same thing huh? yeah. like when I did my I, I think the 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 um that barrier of Titan and surf barrier went away yeah. much earlier than that. Like when just like I said when I was working at the actor's studio. I was having full-blown hour conversations with Estelle Parsons and Harvey Keitel and Ellen Burstyn for years about work, about the work, my work, you know, like their work, and realizing that, you know, it's, we're all the same, we're we're human, you know, We're, we're no different from one another. And, you know, of course, that's obvious, right? But when you're in it, it doesn't feel that way. But I have never really felt any kind of intimidation because that's what it would feel, any anxiety of having to work with anybody. So even when I had my very first job, which was the pack of 9-11, where I got to work with Harvey Keitel, him playing my dad in the show. and so, I was around some really great people, you know, like, you know, William Sadler, um, to name a few, Harvey Keitel. Um, and uh, we, they, I hung out with those guys afterwards, you know, like, you know, I hung out with Bill Sadler, staying in the same hotel. We would hang out and talk, you know, came to the actor studio once. And, you know, it's it just, you. It, there was, when I said, when I, what I mean is like, it was more of like a moment of awareness of where i've arrived where i'm actually getting paid to work with these people is what i meant like uh the demystifi- uh being um the demystification with with the person like you know estelle parsons or Ellen burston came earlier on which to answer your question it definitely allowed me to be much more relaxed you know when I did have to work with them you know I I've been they they've been sort of like my my silent mentors for so long and they're so great that you know who is who else is there to be intimidated by you know I mean it, it it just never occurred to me after that it was just more about like doing my work and working with people the way I would if it's you and I working, or Mm -hmm. and someone else working you know it's the same thing and um so it but what I meant was it was more of like realizing where I've been struggling for so long and here I am yeah I felt that really hit for the first time watching the show with other people like sitting there watching it and laughing i'm like i remember that so that was great she was amazing the show's great it's like i only realized it then so that's what i meant when you asked me earlier on but it's still I... a good question yeah bradley and i worked um we did this show called doughboys that was a play that we did together it was at the uh, henry settlement henry mm-hmm. Street settlement theater where it was the uh fringe festival i think it was the first fringe festival i don't know maybe and that was a fun show. That was funny. Yeah. Um, we used to like, uh, we would do this little ritual before we would fight that we got from when we were both in um, Elizabeth Kent, who was our teacher um, in grad school. And she was like, you know, our like maternal uh, figure. And um, she allowed us to create and really like, you know, stir up our imagination. So Bradley and I had, and this other guy, Luca Perucci, who was also in our class. We would do these fight scenes for like 20 minutes and like, full on, like, like if I threw a punch, he would go back. And if I catch him with this, like, we would just have these huge fights and we would just, it was just saying yes to each other, like, oh, you got me. He beat the shit out of me this time. And we would just fully invest in it. We were sweating and like, we're really like in the zone. And so we were, we brought that to the show and we did it for the audience. <laughs> I think everyone did, or I don't know, I think it was just Bradley and I, but still, it was such a great experience to do that. That's uh, awesome. Show.
0: You and Bradley in one of the plays is, uh, you know, is how Austin uh, kind of uh, decided to audition for, uh, for the Actors Studio. He said that after watching you and Bradley one of the plays, he I think he actually came up to you guys and said, "Hey guys, you know, great job. I'm planning to audition uh, for uh, for the i to cool. play with uh, it. You, uh Which play? I have that written down. Hang on one second. Uh, we're not going to cut this, but I'm just seeing again uh,
1: where he was uh, jumping out the window and I had a talking down. <laughs> that, that
0: so always- it was it was. Uh, uh, it was the part of the first uh, New York Fringe Fringe Festival, and which which play I don't know. Uh, Austin, Austin, please comment. Uh, please remind us which uh, which play that was.
1: No, I know what it is. You said the Henry Settle. You said the Henry Street Settlement Theater, the Fringe oh, Festival. Yes, yes. That's Stowboy. That's the one I just talked about.
0: Okay, got it. Yeah, so,
1: yeah, that's David. the one. I didn't know that. I didn't know that Austin saw that. Yeah, he saw so, that. Maybe he told me, and I was high or drunk or something. But yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know that—that's so cool.
0: Yeah, he mentioned that uh, you know he was—he was, uh, was going to audition for the school. He also said that uh, he remembers that you reminded him of uh, Patrick Swayze. So that was his uh, first impression of you.
1: <laughs> oh man! See, I told you I was cute when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I was younger, I looked more like him. Now I, I look more like David Hasselhoff. With the hair, but without the looks of the talent. That's how <laughs> I look right now. Or that guy was in the Hardcastle and McCormick. You ever watched that show? there. or Buddy Lembeck from uh, William Ains from uh, Charles in Charge. That's, yeah. like, that's like my hair. My hair out, you know, upstage is my face.
0: Yep. Well. Wow. You know, you can, you can slick it back. You, I've seen, that. you
1: know what, it, if that's what people remember me for is my hair. then that's, that's fine. At least they remember me for something, you know,
0: that's true. That's true. What do people um, remember you for? What do people remember me for? It's yeah. a good question. Um, I think, uh, if you ask people, you know, what, what they remember me for, my friends will tell you that they remember me for changing my names a few times uh still not picking a profession because i keep on changing things so i'm the change guy the only thing that i have not changed and it's it's a testament to my wife who hasn't uh, divorced me yet but that's the only constant everything else has
1: changed you know what's funny man is you look like someone and i i figured it out you look like my friend okay Oh my God. I forgot his name for a second. Name, Jerry. You remind me, of, you look like my friend Jerry, 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 McCom, Jerry McDonald, Jerry, Jerry McDonald. I'm going
0: to look up Jerry,
1: Jerry McDonald. Like, it's like your, your bone structure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like faces, so like I I, I I look at certain attributes and this it reminds me of someone I automatically start thinking about that person, so that's who you were making me think about
0: well when i so when I take my glasses off and I you know and I slick my hair back and I do a little adam bit Bright. yeah then then I kind of look like uh, Andy senberg's impression of Nick Cage
1: and I can see that I, I think you look more like adam driver with with uh with lighter hair.
0: Could be, yeah, so,
1: you know, maybe like a um, like a um, Irish version of Adam Driver.
0: Hey, listen, I I, took,
1: I don't even know he might be. I don't know.
0: I um, I I have one percent uh, Irish. I took the <laughs> I took the the test uh, the DNA test, and uh, you know it's ninety seven percent you know Ashkenazi Jew from bad. from in Europe.
1: Own, owning your DNA now—is is that true?
0: I—I I think it's just interesting because I always thought, you know, there was a part of me that always thought that, okay, I know that, you know, my family, all the whole lineage, uh, is from uh, from Ukraine and from kind of that eastern uh, part of uh, of the you know, Europe. But I always, for whatever reason, I always felt that I have some French uh, in me. I don't know why. I just thought that, you know, I I have more Western Europe in there somewhere. So I took the DNA test fully thinking that, you know, it's going to show like, you know, 20% French and I'm going to go to my parents and say, Hey, we, we need to have some discussions here. I need to figure out what's going on. So no, I I had no French, but I did have 1%, uh, 1% Irish and I had, I think 2% uh,
1: Finnish. So that's, (laughs) that's where that comes from. That's interesting. How much did you pay for that? Was that 90 bucks or something?
0: I think so. Yeah, it was I think they had a sale, so it was seventy nine, uh and you know, I did the DNA test, you know, you spit on the tube, you send it off, and they uh, they send it back to you. So it was it was it was interesting and fascinating. And my wife did that as well. And then now my kids want to do it. We're like, I don't know what you're trying to get because we already have your mom and your dad took it. We know what we are, we know where we're from. What are you expecting
1: to see that's different? <laughs> are you afraid that now like the government owns your DNA and like if you commit a I honestly
0: yeah i'm I'm one of those people that i understand that right now everything is so accessible if the government wanted to know something about me or somebody on the internet wanted to know something about me it's not that difficult to find and you know i i just i'm not that important I, i don't think it's that deep
1: yeah you know at this point you know you're right if they want you they'll get you
0: I've watched enough uh, spy uh, films to know that if anybody needs to be eliminated, anybody can be eliminated. So you know, I I can't spend my life worrying about you know what the government has on me. Uh, I try to be a little bit more careful because if I have a strong opinion about something, I don't necessarily put it out there. My friend put it so beautifully, and and I hate it, but he's right that in order for us you know we live in a free society but we can only be free in a private uh, facebook group so it's it's pathetic and it's true unfortunately so i don't put all of that stuff out because i know if i did then it's going to be a whole you know family thing and a whole fight with people saying why are you saying this and i'm going to waste so much time defending it it's not worth it so i don't do that but other than that you know I'm not worried about somebody knowing my DNA. They they probably have it already and,
1: you know, yeah.
0: who cares? I
1: don't care. True. Like that time you threw out that iced coffee, they got it. Yeah. And then went into the garbage and took your iced coffee out. Right. They got it. You, know, you know, did you do like, you know, the, uh, the, the, the cancer genes and all that? Like, you know, if I, you're like, position yeah. for some kind of illness.
0: I didn't do that one. There is another one. Is it on there? Not this one. Not in the the, the test that I took. There's another test that I took that kind of takes uh, your DNA results, and then they check for, you know, what diet you should do, uh, what type of exercises you should be doing. I took that one, and I looked at it, and, uh, you know, it, it. they're charging you for, uh, for creating a fitness program for you, and I, I already know what I need to be doing. I don't need to pay for it. Uh, And in terms of the food and other stuff, because I thought, hey, maybe we'll identify that, you know, I have certain uh, uh, certain tendencies or certain deficiencies and I need to be eating more of this and that. But I don't know if I if I really bought what they were saying. So, uh, you know, that one, I'm not sure that I would recommend to anybody.
1: I know when I eat a lot of sugar, I feel like shit, you know, yeah, sugar is just like. I, I don't even really like that much, but I do crave ice cream. I love ice cream. Man. So.
0: It's my favorite. My favorite thing. When when kids ask me what would you eat uh, if you had uh, if you had a choice, it would always be ice cream.
1: Ice cream, any flavor.
0: What, what's your favorite flavor?
1: I like pistachio a lot, you know. But I, I'm in. I'm getting it. You know, right now I'm I'm trying to like cut sugar out, so I'm eating this keto ice cream. Okay. It's like this this one called Halo. I I just got it today. It's like keto, five grams of carbs and it's um it's got like it's chocolate no, it's peanut butter cup flavor. Okay. I don't know. I, I wonder if it's gonna taste any good, you know. I there's other keto ice cream I had, I forgot what it was. It was kinda like the consistency was it was like breaking chunks of like Dirt. It just it wasn't creamy and you couldn't scoop it with an ice cream scooper. So I'm wondering if this one has that same consistency. So I like to scoop it and pop it down and put some peanuts in it and some peanut butter and mix it up, you know? And you're eating like this peanut butter ice cream with chunks of peanuts and it's like you're making your own, like, you know, Ben and Jerry's. So that's what I wanted, but I couldn't do that with the other ice cream because it was just didn't have that consistency yeah but i love ice cream Your, like butter, butter, butter pecan for me by the way butter pecan yeah, yeah butter pecan i like butter pecan that's good what about the was that dolce vita is that is that the one The the I like it. yeah with the pralines in it you know mm-hmm. that caramel coated yeah. pecan yeah. right so, I like what about like. gelato like you have gelato
0: I love gelato. When I went to Italy, you know, the, the cool part of uh, of being in Italy, when we were there, you know, as a family for, I think, five days or whatever, you know, so, we went to Italy. And then right after that, we went to Spain. And I'm thinking, wait a, second. wait a second. There's something very different. There's something that is missing. I can't put my finger on it. It took me a few minutes to realize that they don't have gelato on every corner. And I missed it because I was so used to walking around Italy just eating gelato. That was That was my... You know, perfect experience. I could just go anywhere and get great
1: gelato. I loved it. Which flavor? Huh? Which flavor did you like?
0: I like pistachio. I like, again, I kind of like mixing things. So I, I'm not a fan of coffee. So I don't like kind of- oh, uh, I love the
1: coffee ice cream. I, you
0: know? I, it's not my taste, right? It's it's one of those things that I'm not a, a fan of, but you know, I like uh, different uh, different fruits and I like pistachio and I like kind of mixing them together. I love uh, limon. Uh, anything that's kind of this, I, I want the tangy uh, flavor mixed with something that's different and kind of bring it together. I'm I'm the uh, ratatouille character when, where I want all of these things to work in a in a perfect symphony. So that's that's kind of me picking
1: gelato. That's great. I like that. I'm gonna try that. Yeah.
0: You should. I I always add the uh, lemon. So like lemon to me, it's just it's such an.
1: Interesting... Hey, uh? Sorbet you're talking about now?
0: or Yeah, yeah. Or it could be, again, more of the lemon-flavored uh, ice cream, but usually it's sorbet. So, yeah, and sorbet. you have the, you know, limon uh, gelato. So I kind of mix that, and you have the sweetness with the, you know, ah? Uh? The lemon, uh,
1: the, the limon uh, gelato? Limon. Yeah, limon gelato. So. Is it limoncello? Or is it just uh? like, is it made with limoncello? Uh,
0: m- maybe, or it's made again with, with real lemon or, you know, uh, whether they're, you know, doing drops and it's some other consistency, but it's, you know, it takes like lemon.
1: Uh, yeah, I and this in Rome, uh, I, I love the gelato. I would have this like three times a day. I would have the gelato and then espresso with Sambuca. Then I would have more gelato and double Sambuca with, uh, yeah. uh, yeah, double samu and a double espresso. I just love that stuff. Just the combination of the two is just so good.
0: And did you try the pizza when you were in Rome? That blew my mind because again, I'm Chicago. I I know what our pizza tastes like. Their pizza is very different.
1: I like the deep dish. I've had the deep dish pizza in Chicago. It's not my thing, but I like. I enjoyed it. I couldn't finish it.
0: No. Yeah, you, you don't finish that. <laughs>
1: it's, it's, I like the Italian thin crust pizza. But I'm gonna say something that's a little, you know, controversial. I, I do prefer the New York 99-cent mm-hmm. slice of pizza. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's the best pizza, man. It's it's People like think I'm crazy, but like I love that 99. I'm getting this delicious combination of cheese and tomato sauce and and pizza dough for 99 cents. Tastes so much better than a six dollar slice to me i don't know
0: yeah i don't think it's controversial it's it's what your taste is like in in italy with pizza the thing that blew my mind is all the ingredients that you don't get anywhere here you know we went by the vatican and we go to a pizza place that's you know right outside the vatican uh and i i start looking at the list of ingredients and my mind you know blows because i can have shrimp on my pizza so i had shrimp Potato and something else, pizza, and I loved it. It was great.
1: Oh, so that's that's the part I miss about Italian pizza. You had shrimp. And I had shrimp. Well, you know, you could eat anything in, in in Italy because it's all organic. Yeah. You know, I ate so much and I lost weight both times I went to Italy. I went to Venice last year. I ate whatever I wanted, when I was in. I even had I even had Indian food. In Italy, have you ever what? had Mediterranean food or in well, not Mediterranean. Food, I'm sorry, Ooh. Indian food in in Italy. It's yeah. it's really good. It's also yeah. Chinese food in Italy. It's really yeah. good. It's like better than New, it's better than New York. I don't know what it is. I think it's because they don't use MSG. Yeah. probably Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they rename these things like. Do you use MSG? No, we don't use MSG. I, I, I get the chop suey or like, you know, general chow's chicken and I'm eating it. And I'm like, this tastes so good. It's got to have MSG. And I have an allergic reaction to it. I get a violent migraine oh, headache. Sorry. And I feel it right away. And like 20 minutes after eating it, I, I feel the symptoms. I'm like, they're using MSG and they say they don't use MSG. They're using the same shit. They rename it. Yeah. It's like a different name. Yeah. So I had to eat Chinese food from, you know, New York City because of that reason. Come on, man.
0: Yeah, that's not nice. That's not nice. Um, I love Chinese food. It's again, I'm, I'm, I'm a Russian kid who grew up uh, in Ukraine. I was, you know, 14 when I came to the United States. So uh, I never had Chinese food. Uh, you know, it was it wasn't a thing. And then you have all of that. And then I, I became friends with uh, with some Indian guys who I was working with. They introduced me to Indian food. So my palate really kind of widened and opened up. So all of that is, I'm, I'm friends with all of that. You know, my friends and I go to Thai places. I'm not an adventurous eater. You know, I'm not going to eat, uh, you know, go to a German restaurant and eat monkey brain. But uh, anything that tastes good, I'm, I'm all over it. I don't care where it was made. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. Don't tell me what it is. Just if it's good and it's tasty, just feed it to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I you know,
1: I, I, I want to know what it is. I'm sorry, that's a lie. I, I do want to know what it is. I want to know if it's fucking monkey brains. I'm not gonna eat it this
0: Yeah. I'm not gonna eat a snake. I'm not gonna eat any. You know. Uh, I'm I'm not into eating crickets. That's that's not my thing. Uh, but
1: if but you on an island, and you had to have one source of protein from an animal, you had to choose meat too. Yeah. Snake or spiders? Big, fat, juicy spiders, like big ones. Yeah, choose.
0: My my brain immediately goes into whatever I've seen before, and I remember people talking about that spiders would probably be more nutritious than a snake. No, um, no way. I don't know. I, it's, for some reason, that's what I'm thinking because I remember, you know, there are a lot of people out there that eat uh, insects and yeah. that you know, they're talking about the value of it. So that's where my brain immediately went. So out of the two things that I would be scared shitless of trying to get, but if it comes to my survival and you didn't give me the option of getting fish, which would be my first uh, guess, but if I had just those two things, then I would probably go for spiders. And I would I would probably throw up a few times before I even tasted it.
1: You know, I mean, think about it like a spider and a and a crab. They kind of look the same. They do.
0: That's true.
1: I mean, I saw Castaway recently, and I I, I thought it was a great movie. And I I love the part where he tries to bite the you know eat the crab raw because mm-hmm. he didn't then fire it, and it's just as gooey. It's not, it's just like comes out of the lake. You gotta, yeah. I wonder if that's true, but I guess that's the way I see a spider. You got to cook that thing, man. I mean, snake too. A snake, I would choose a snake just because I feel like it's more meat. I feel like I could skin it and then I could like make boots or, you know, make some kind of like, you know, clothing with its skin. And then like take it and cut it off like sausage and pretend it to cook the shit out of it and pretend it's like a like a sausage. Like, you know, put like get like a you know, like one of those long leaves and stick yep. it in there and eat it like, you know, like an in and out like burger without the bun, you know. Yep. That a wow. hot dog.
0: It it makes sense. And again, crocodile dundee comes to mind, you know, it's uh it's it's ain't bad, it's good eating. Um, so yeah, I, I maybe, but I just I just think uh, hunting after a uh, hunting after a spider would be easier for me and probably less scary than hunting after a snake.
1: I agree with you on that. I think the spiders would be a much easier um, yeah. catch than than a snake.
0: But yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely go for fish. You know, if I'm on an island, uh, that means I'm surrounded by water. There's got to be fish. That's the first place I'd look.
1: Yeah, clams, you know, dig up some clams. cook them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. It's very,
1: very useful for acting.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I love that movie. By the way, uh, in terms of the, um, you know, castaway, the first time I was watching it, you instinctively are wondering, okay, at some point, there has to be something dangerous. There has to be a shark. There has to be whatever because we're so trained that if you're alone on an island, you know some pirates are going to come over. Whatever it is, it's the thing that you're expecting and there you didn't get because that's not what it was about. It was about a human experience. And I was so happy and I was so impressed, not just with the acting and the storyline and everything that happened, but I was just so impressed that they didn't, go cheap and they didn't throw this stuff at you and it just focused on tom i loved it
1: yeah it was definitely a great a, a uh, you know i really i really liked the ending too you mm-hmm. know it's a really good movie i watched it twice in, in a month because it was playing on hbo mm-hmm. i watched it. I really i really liked it a lot appreciated it tom yeah. hanks did a good job I mean, losing and gaining the weight too, but like, you know, it he just like has a way about him. That's just so watchable. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it actually brings, uh, brings us or segues us into something else I was gonna ask you because um, one of the things that you taught Austin, and I can look up the specific project that he was referring to, but he was saying that you did a play and in that play, you had very few lines, if any at all, and you stole the show. And he learned by watching you that doesn't matter how many lines you have, it matters what you do with them, and that you can do a tremendous amount with very few lines. And, you know, Tom was doing the same thing. There was a lot of him not talking, it was just him being. Uh, so, what do you do as an actor if you have few lines to say, or you have one line to say, or a few words? How do you put a whole life? Of a character into those lights
1: what, what was the shell
0: all right, I'm going to look that up maybe I one second I
1: answer it by just saying what I did in the shell, but like I can answer it in, in general
0: but... uh it was the uh, it was the man with a flower in his mouth
1: oh, the Pirandello, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wow that was a that was a tough piece, yeah that was a tough piece. But the reason why it was tough was because it was um it was so simple hmm. it was such a simple situation well anyway yeah he had this um yeah Joe McCarthy was the character's name joe b McCarthy okay. um, he was the other actor and uh really great actor and uh he he was playing the um i forgot the characters' names but the man with the flower in his mouth. And I played the guy that was sitting there waiting for the train. And like, you know, the situation was this guy's tracked to listen to this guy yap and yap and yap. Um, no, it's, you know, but that play it was about what would I be doing if this guy never showed up? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's all about behavior. If you don't have any lines, you know, just, You still have to behave according to the situation, you know, like what you would do in that situation. So I was, I don't remember what I chose to do. I was waiting for the train at the table and I was, I did something different every night. I had an apple, I had, I set up the things I would use. But I remember I had an apple and That got stricken, but I remember what I really liked about that Apple was that he, I remember it was interesting. It wasn't planned this way. I was drawing and it was a rehearsal and he wasn't coming in right away. And I was drawing for quite some time before joe the actor came up and approached me and i'm like drawing and i drew this whole face and i wanted to take a break so i'm like in my mind i'm thinking what the fuck is he doing but i'm like you know it doesn't matter because i want this apple right now and right before i was about to, right before i was about to bite it he interrupts me and i bit it and he starts and he starts talking and i just remember like i don't want to be rude but I had the apple, and I was realized that I'm chewing, but I'm not chewing like the way I would be chewing if someone wasn't talking to me because i wanted didn't want to be rude, so that was an interesting discovery. It just never really worked out. I don't know for whatever reason I, I liked the apple, but um, I don't know if Joe remembers that, but the apple was a lot of fun. We kept it for a while, and then Joe decided to do it for his thesis project, and I think that's when they didn't want the apple because they felt like, you know, when you go to school, you have people that say, oh, the apple upstages. And it's like, yeah, I understand. You don't want to chew on a crunch on an apple when he's talking about the most important part, like he's talking about cancer or something. And I'm biting into the apple. I wasn't doing that. Some people get carried away with branding things they learn in acting class where they're like, you're upstaging me with the apple. It's like, you're not talking. <laughs> I'm eating the apple, you know it, it was a process, but yeah, it's about like you know I would just ask the first thing I do is I ask myself, what would I be doing in this situation, and then you back up, you start asking all these questions before you know it. I'm asking questions from like, what was I doing three days before the the moment takes place, and then you then you do it another night and you go further back, and then it it feeds it even more like you go by the end of the show the what my preparation for it was I rem- and I do this with everything so at this point it was I was like it was like a month before the scene took place I did something that I was able to bring to the actual scene that would fill me up emotionally And it it, it just because I thought of it, just because I, I didn't like act it out. I was just sit and meditate on, well, I did this and I'll write stuff down. And sometimes I'll talk to the imaginary person and like, yeah, you know, that's what happened. So when Joe's character said this one thing, I was able to relate to it and it was a different that night than it was the other night. So that like influenced all of my behavior. So just because I didn't have lines I was relating to it and I'm listening to him fresh. I wasn't like I was accused at one point earlier on in the process that I was acting like I was listening. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't interested, but I'm but I'm like, well, we do that in real life. And we don't want to like, like you right now, like you're listening to me. You're like, shut the fuck up. But yeah, you're pretending you're listening. I know. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I guess. Like so we listen to people when we don't want to. Sometimes our face betray us. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that was a bad acting job there. But, you know, you get the picture. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Interesting. So, um, you know, that's that was on stage.
1: Yeah. How about
0: on screen where you're doing take after take and then you have different coverage? And, you know, how do you stay in that moment and allow things to be fresh take after take?
1: You keep doing that. Just what I said, yeah. just on a shorter form. The scene you did the scene, you hit moments there, you go back, you know, you throw it away and you prepare as if you're about to do it again, as if you haven't done it before. So I'll go, I'll start my preparation a little, I'll take off, I'll start it again, I'll start further back, and then I'll, then this happened and this happened, and here, and now I start like, you already got your instrument going, so the second take you do it and then you wrap it up. Sometimes you don't get a chance to go back to your mar, uh, your first position. He might want you to stop. He pick it up again. Might just shift your body this way. Go, go, and like so. Then you just gotta like. You have to plunge yourself. You have to fall into it. Or throw yourself into it. You just don't think. If I start thinking about it, it's you're done. Like you just have to like just go yeah. in it. You got the person right in front of you, man. Just work with what they're giving you. You know, that's what I do. I don't know. It works for me.
0: I, I completely agree with you. Until I learned about Meisner and I still, uh, until I took some classes and I started doing that, I was all in my head. As soon as I, as soon as I started doing Meisner, I got out of my head and I'm just into the person's eyes. Uh, and then it's easy because all you're doing is you're just, you're, you're there. And it's what you like, which is the, you know, kind of the natural uh, approach uh, of how do you be natural? Well, you're natural because we know how to talk to each other. Now you're just a character, but everything that's happening is between you and I. And by watching you, by watching how you react to it, I react to it. And I react to it on the physical and emotional and other levels. And you can just be. It becomes so much easier. And uh, that was my kind of click.
1: I I like the times where I'll catch myself. I don't know if this happened with you but I'll catch myself doing too much and so I'll pull back I'll do that as an audition yeah. and then I do I finish the scene and I, I I'm like oh that sucked and I'll watch it and I'm like you know it looks natural it looks it, it was like this weird thing that happened but it's interesting and because it's like you know, if you, you ever watch a musician play? Like, there's this great tape of Jimi Hendrix playing mm-hmm. at the, um, what's that place? The, uh, the, I forget where he was playing, but he's playing with the Band of Gypsies. It was 1972, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a big one, live at the Fillmore, I think it was. And it was like on New Year's Eve, right? and the opening song. He did it throughout the whole concert, this videotapes of him, he always does it. And I just refer to him because the opening, of the, the opening of the show, he's singing this song, Who Knows? And he starts playing, and he starts playing and he starts tuning his guitar and he doesn't stop to tune it. I didn't hear it out of tune, you know, but he did. So he's fixing it. So I look at that as a musical parallel to an actor knowing when they're doing too much or when their tone is off, where they're out of tune and not listening or they're not to be oh, like, it's okay to like have that part of your brain working because you need to, and you feel it. Like you'll feel like you're a little off. And so you, you refocus and you resettle and you, but you never stop. You're still playing. You, you, you don't start over. You don't say, Oh fuck. Stop! Stop! We gotta start over. Maybe guitar attitude No one's gonna do that. Like db King will break a fucking string, and the band will keep going, and he'll he'll sing and restring his guitar. It's like that's what actors have to do, right? So yeah. it's interesting because I, I bring that up as a non sequitur, but like you made me think of something, it that you know, what what happens? Like it's like you're so playing the moment that. You don't know what's going to happen yet, but you did all of that work on the scene and on the character with yourself in regards to everything that's happening in the in the story that you just kind of forget it and it's in you. It's like, I think Strasburg used to say, it's like you got to start here. Yeah. You got to start with your brain and then you have to push it into your, into your being and forget about it. And so you, you're, you can follow your impulses, but it's the it's the it's the it's the right impulses. It's the impulses of the character, you as the character in the situation. So that's where you want to get. And sometimes they don't have the time to do that. But you know, it just really ultimately is the moment that you're playing with it, you know. And trust yourself and have fun and like, you know, we I don't know, I'm hard on myself. So yeah. say that like is a big thing for me.
0: Same, same way. And I think all of us, all of us are, but, you know, uh, I just, I just did a, uh, a webisode. Uh, it's my first acting gig, uh, you know, during this COVID time, uh, right. a wonderful independent filmmaker, you know, kind of wrote a part for me and uh, I did this webisode and I come in there and I, I got done talking to Austin, uh, you know, a day or two days before. And we talked about some of the approaches and Austin gives me the rule of five of you want to try it soft. You want to try it loud. You want to try it physical. You want to try it, uh, you know, two others approaches that will come into, into me in, the, in a moment. So I go through all of that. And I have, dis- I discovered so many different ways of doing that kind of, you know, monologue. Um, and I'm ready. I get to the set. We, uh, we do a take and I'm, I'm actually two characters that I have to play. I'm playing this happy go lucky kind of, you know, goofy guy. And then he snaps in and he's completely different and then i get out of that character and then i'm back into this one so you have to you can't be in character because you're two different characters so i have to kind of uh, straddle all of that and i get there and i'm playing i'm like okay great so i like this take i would love to do another take i'm thinking i would love to do another take where you know i'm more kind of soft and uh, i build up to it and they're like no that's great we love it let's do another shot let's do it the same way and they're done and i'm thinking but I, I have so many different ways prepared. I wanted to play. I wanted to try it. I want you know, to see what works better. I never got the opportunity. And then I hear from the director, uh, not the director, but the, the producer, the writer. Uh, he says, hey, you, know, you did an amazing job. You, you're probably one of the best actors I've uh, worked with. I'm like, oh, my God, that's a huge compliment. I appreciate that. I don't know if I agree with it. And then this juxtaposition of I never got a chance to do multiple takes and I wanted to play with it so I can be happy, but he's already happy. So I don't know what is going on. It's it's one of those things. Like you're completely hard on yourself. You don't know whether you did a great job or not. It felt pretty good, but I want to play more. It was one of those.
1: Yeah, I mean, you always want to play more. I always want another take. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know yeah. But- yeah, we always want. Like, that's the thing about rehearsing. You know, you get to rehearse and try these things in rehearsal. And, but you know, from my experience, my limited experience that I've had in in film and television is, uh, you know, I haven't had a mo- um an opportunity where we actually rehearsed. You know, it's like the audition sort of sometimes is the rehearsal. Yeah. but like I. You know there is no trial and error. It's like you're shooting your first rehearsal. You know, but the rehearsal, you know, again, like you know, I I trained on stage, so when I go to rehearsal, it's like you know, I'm 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 a hundred percent when I go to rehearsal. I I go there to roll at a hundred percent. So because I I, I'm happy that I was you know I worked in that way. I wasn't we all like you know the training I had we all worked that way yeah. so for me it, it works okay on film but I know some people like to you know not rehearse on 100 and they want to like you know s- stand back a little bit and you know and there's a little bit of that too because sometimes if you don't understand something it's kind of hard to go 100 percent because you're confused She's like, I don't know what it is I'm supposed to be doing I, I can't relate to this scene I don't understand what's going on you know and, and you talk about it and, well, let's, let's try it. Let's, this, that doesn't work. Let's come back and we'll try it again tomorrow. It's like when you find that situation in a film, it's like, it's scary. It's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And there was this one thing I did this movie. They had a phone there and my character comes in and he's stakes are high. He needs to use the phone and this phone's there. So, I picked it up and I started using it. So it threw the whole scene out the window because it's supposed to be this scene is written where I go to the concierge and I'm like, I need to use the phone. And I'm like, in like, no, you gotta, you have to have that conversation with the concierge, you know, but we can if you, well, but like, yeah, but the phone's there. Well, it makes no sense to me to go, I have to use the phone. I'm just gonna take it and use it, yeah. you know? And so there was a little discussion with that, and then we removed the phone. And it makes sense because a scene prior to it, it would make sense that they removed the phone. But um, there's those moments. And sometimes it's like if you're a new actor, your instinct would say, I would just grab the phone, but you don't want to ruffle feathers. So you no one else catches it, and you do it. I need the phone, and we're watching the movie now. And it's like, take the fucking phone, then. What's the matter with you? And, like, as an actor, you're like, oh, fuck. Or anyone watching is like, that, that wasn't a smart choice. Why didn't they catch that? Like, obviously, you know, they they could have done something there to make the logical senses that he wouldn't fight with somebody over something that didn't need to be fought over. You know, this you got to be aware of those little things because, like in theater, you can catch it early on and fix it. But everything's happening with film. You have to kind of like slow time down and see everything, be aware of everything, yet at the same time be focused in this other way. It's like it's like a mental multitask, but you got to do it. You know, you have to. Everything is, you know, like. Everything is part of the world. Like mm-hmm. I'm looking at the ocean, but I'm, but it's actually a, a picture, mm-hmm. you know. And, you, and you don't pretend it's an ocean. You just really look at the picture. You're like, wow, that's a beautiful fucking frame. They don't know I'm looking at the fucking picture. They mm-hmm. think I'm looking at an ocean. You know. Yeah.
0: As long as they see that behind your eyes, you have thought, and you're you're somewhere then they relate to it because they are going to imagine that that's what you're looking at uh
1: yeah, know. maybe everybody's different i'm just talking about the way i work you know but you know if you could be different maybe you can like see the ocean and you see I the ocean
0: yeah i don't know i haven't had that experience so we'll see what happens but
1: yeah, um that works for you there's no like you know there's no blueprint of how anyone should work
0: right you know? nice. Hey, I already said to people that I hear voices or I heard voices, so it wouldn't be a strike for people to think that I can see the ocean. So why not?
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> um, so you uh, you mentioned uh, in in one of your interviews that um, on uh, on Star is Born, you know, when you were working with Bradley, you know, mm-hmm. you were doing a scene and something wasn't quite clicking. So you went and you kind of uh, talked it out and you came up with a solution. And you did it. So again, it's the giving yourself permission. I know you already have a relationship with Bradley because you went to school together, but, you know, giving yourself permission as an actor to uh, to bring things out and say, hey, this doesn't quite, you know, make sense. Can we do this? Uh, I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, no, he, I mean, it, I was fortunate to be working with an actor, uh, uh, who was, Bradley Bradley's also an actor, but and I, fortunate that, yes, I do know him, but If I didn't know Bradley, he still would have had that openness to go up to the stranger who's playing a role and say, is this working for you? And he would have still done it. So if you're like in that I was in a fortunate situation where the scene as written wasn't as um, uh, effective as what we came up with is we you know, it takes you're lucky to have a director like that you're, you're, you 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 I'm I mean you would be very lucky to have a director like that who is going to be not only intuitive enough to see to locate and understand what's not working and tweak it and fix it yeah. and be cool and chill and collaborative about it and actually not pressuring and screaming at you you know I mean you can scream at me all day if you're my director it's 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 not going to mess me up i mean i'm going to want to punch him in the face but i'm not going to let it break me i'm going to still do my work but no. it's something special when a a uh there's you know if you know of course every scene is different if the tension is high in the scene and the director's touches to yell and scream it's going to make everybody tense and that could be a good thing if you can do your work, but it could shut people down. Mm-hmm. So it really can. So to have a director who's who's, like, you know, he's concerned and loves his actors, not that the other director doesn't love his actors, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's the risk of shutting a person down doesn't exist. It's only, you're only going to water the soil, you know. So uh, in that case, the way Bradley was, he was like, you know he was encouraging. The um, let's 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 get to this. Let's fix this with um a, a level of confidence and a real a level of relaxation. So we were able to just we got it. It's fresh. Shoot it. We did it. I think we did it once. Maybe wow. we did it twice. I think what you saw was the was the one time was the one time was the one take. I think it was one take. I'm not sure. One or two. That's great. Yeah. It was a great experience. And that was the most nervous I ever was.
0: Really?
1: Yeah. It was so I was like so nervous during that shoot. I don't know. I didn't, it didn't I don't think it affected my work at all. But for some reason I was nervous because I guess I wanted to like really deliver and do a good job. I put a lot of pressure on myself to like, you know, make a meal out of it and like bring something rich to it and I just wasn't able, I didn't want to push it. and I didn't want to make it fake. So it just, when it wasn't clicking, I was like getting like, oh man. But when he came up with that, I felt so relaxed afterwards and I was happy about that. So that's That's great. Great.
0: Sorry for interrupting. I was just going to say that that's, that's again, a sign of a great director, a, a sign of somebody who, He's not worried about egos. He's just uh, he wants to make sure that uh, what gets done is the best for the uh, for the
1: picture. Well, yeah, I mean, every every director's got a different touch, you know. I, I, mean, look at Stanley Kubrick. The way, like, you know, it's it's famous how he was with um, Shelly uh, Devall. I mean, hmm. you, I watched footage of it. There's this foot behind the scene footage. His, his wife shot documentary footage of all his movies and. I saw some of it for The Shining and you know he was harsh on her yeah. you know but maybe that's what got her I mean I always feel it's you don't need to do that I don't yeah. think you need to like ride an actress or an actor like that to the point where it you're just the cooking like frying their insides up yeah. I mean but you know if a director does do that to you you know I feel like it, it, it'll be a great thing to experience if you can get through it if you can get through it and not let it affect your work and let it feed your work mm. you know if you let it feed your work you know then you find a way to do that you know then you're just gonna be a better actor at the end of it you know
0: mm. Um, I'm going to use uh, kind of your analogy that you were using with fears as uh, the wild stallions, is being able to take all of that. And I, I view that, again, as energy. So being able to take all of those energies, being able to use them, write them. So, you know, the director screaming at you. Wild mustangs. Wild mustangs. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to write that down. Wild mustangs.
1: It is, because it's any emotion you have as a gift. Yeah. So, you, you know, we're told to shut down our emotions and to muster up and summon another emotion, but then it would be faking it. So right. if you have, like, the fear is so alive in you, and, like, just keep it there, accept it, and just ride it, man, like, use it, and and not, even if, even if you're not going to use it to in a sense where you're going to tremble in fear, it's like, just have it exist in you, and Whatever it is that you can do to, like, make it work for you. I mean, it's hard to do. I, I, I fail at that all the time. But even when you fail at using the emotion you have, yeah. even when you fail and you feel like a failure and you're angry at yourself, if you're still using that and staying connected with who you're working with mm-hmm. and moving forward and not letting it shut you down, it could look. For everyone else, it could look amazing. You don't know what it looks like sometimes. Yeah. That's by like watching your self-tapes. It's, there's so many times I stop myself and restart it and I'm watching the takes and I'm like, oh, this is a really good one. And then I stop myself. I'm like, that's, I'm so stupid. I'll never stop myself again. You know? yeah.
0: That's true. Because we don't know what we're, we don't know what it looks like on the other side of the camera.
1: So, if you're in the moment, dealing with all those emotions, and you're still doing the scene, it's like you're yeah. still connected to the person. How is it, it? It's it's only gold, you know. Or maybe yeah. it's shit. right. <laughs> it but, could be, it's a...
0: but it's worth it's worth uh, not uh, not stopping the take to see what uh, what happens.
1: No, man. Even when another actor is like going off script and like and the camera's rolling, and the actors fucking with you, the actor, and it's so obvious, but you don't break character and you still talk to them as if they're character. Yeah. To me, that's a victory. That's a victory. It's never break.
0: Yeah, I keep going. You know, it's not our yeah. job to say cut. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, it's, it is my job uh, to say cut uh, to this interview just because I'm looking at the time and uh, I've taken a lot of your time already. But I am really thankful uh, to you for coming on, for sharing, for uh, being so open and uh, give me a lot to work with. You know, from Austin, I learned, uh, I learned the, the five technique. You know, from uh, from you, I'm uh, I'm taking the wild stallion, uh, wild mustangs, 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 wild mustangs, W M, wild mustangs. Good, I got it. So wild mustangs, and I'm gonna keep on uh, on riding them.
1: Riding, uh, them like a Comanche. Like
0: riding a, like a Comanche.
1: Comanche natives were like so; they were the best horsemen in the history of horsemen. They yeah. the only reason why they reigned for so long as the dominant um. Uh. Um. You Native know, tribe. Uh, I yeah. know, You know we can't use tribe anymore. Which, what's the word that we use? It's um. Nation. Nation, right? The the Comanche nation was um so dominant because of the of the way they were able to maneuver on this super fast horse. Mm-hmm. Mustang, which had short legs. They were like a short, they're like a short leg. There's this movie I want to watch. It's called Mustang. I want to see that. Did you see it? I don't
0: think so. Uh, When did it come out?
1: Like two years ago.
0: I have not seen it. I'll I'll check it out. Cool. Uh, Well, listen, you know, thank you again. I I feel that I am a much better actor just by speaking with you. Now I look forward to uh, to going out and and doing that again once I have the opportunity. I hope people who are watching this feel the same. And whatever your fears are, yeah, you, you just put them in the comments and and let's try to uh, turn them into uh, your mustangs that you can ride. <laughs> That's
1: great. I love it. Yeah. Cool.
0: Why not? Uh, Thank you again for uh, for coming on, Gabe. Thanks uh, to everybody for tuning in. And uh, we know you love acting as much as we do, and that's why we do this. Thank you. Thank you.